Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, In this episode, we will be in chapter 15, going through verses 1 through 20. Are you clean? Well, that may be a question that uh, you have not thought much about. Maybe you think, well, I've showered or bathed or whatever it is, um, ready for the day. But are you ritually clean? Well, most of us, again, don't really think about that. But in uh, the world of Matthew's gospel, uh, the people and events surrounding the life of Jesus of Nazareth, this was an important issue. Um, Purity and cleanliness is prescribed in the Old Testament and with some pretty significant consequences if a person uh, was engaged in certain activities and that person was not clean. not only was it found in the Old Testament, but uh, we also have evidence of this being an important uh, concept with people around Israel at that time. For example, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, this is a huge issue if somebody was clean or unclean. And from different ex- excavations of um, of Israel uh, dating back to around the first century, we find a lot of baths and things like that connected to the temple. People were really concerned about being clean, or at least the religious leaders were concerned about being uh, clean. Now, Mark's gospel, which is writing for a slightly different audience than Matthew's gospel, uh, perhaps his audience is not as familiar with Jewish customs. Um, Mark's gospel, chapter 7, in a parallel account, uh, says this in verses 3 to 4. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Mark probably includes that explanation because his readers uh, were not as familiar with Jewish purity laws as Matthew's readers are. And that's helpful for us because a lot of us are not familiar with uh, Jewish purity laws. Uh, What is referenced here as the uh, tradition of the elders is this belief by Pharisaical Judaism that uh, God gave, of course, the written law, the Torah, but he also gave the oral law, verbal communication uh, to people that was then passed down from generation to generation and was preserved um, throughout the generations and then eventually ended up uh, with... uh, the Pharisees being in charge of it. This later was codified, that is, it was written down around the year 200 in a document that we call the Mishnah. Now, the result is that the Pharisees had built what they called a fence around the Torah, uh, their own set of man-made rules uh, to ensure that people wouldn't get anywhere close to breaking one of the actual real rules. It's a really conservative approach to religion, which uh, is based on the premise that one can never be too careful when it comes to sin. So let's make extra rules just to keep ourselves from breaking the real rules. Now that'll be helpful background information before we read our text for today. So now let's uh, look at Matthew 15, starting in verse 1. 
Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Now, this passage can be broken up into three basic sections. Uh, First, we have the setup in verses 1 to 2. And they want to know, why doesn't Jesus keep our man-made rules, uh, the the oral Torah, the tradition of the elders? In verses 3 through 9, Jesus does not actually respond to their initial question. Instead, he sees that there's a more important issue going on here, and he addresses their hypocrisy. He can see that their concern for holiness and purity um, is not genuine. And then after he addresses that issue in verses 3 through 9, he then actually addresses what they asked him in verses 10 through 20. Now, again, Jesus starts by focusing on the more important issue. Now, this is an important piece of practical advice. Sometimes people will ask a question, but really they have a more uh, significant underlying issue that needs to be addressed. Jesus notices this, and so he um, aims his ammunition where it really should be best spent. Now, let me point out that there is nothing wrong with making rules which are not found in the Bible. The Pharisees had their own man-made extra rules, and Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to have additional rules. Obeying man-made rules does not necessarily make one a hypocrite. Now, that's important because we live in a context today in which people who are concerned about doing the right thing and keeping all the rules, whether from the Bible or from the government or from their school or from their job, uh, can often be labeled as, well, hypocrites because they're easily labeled as legalistic. But that doesn't necessarily follow. Uh, He doesn't call them hypocrites simply because they want to wash their hands, because they want to keep the oral law. Instead, Jesus uh, sees them bring up the issue of purity. 
And, and he notices that they, they decide to talk about washing hands as the first order of business over against what God has actually revealed. And it's this that makes them hypocrites. So, though there's nothing inherently wrong with keeping man-made rules, their desire to appear holy because they keep those rules over against uh, what God has actually said, that's hypocrisy. Uh, So, the issue is that they haven't brought up the right subject. Jesus does it for them. He picks up a time when their man-made rules uh, actually conflict with what God has actually said. This is a poignant case study. It illustrates how their focus is so much on what they've come up with that they're willing to uphold it even if it contradicts God's law. Um, To understand it, recall that Jesus is uh, talking to the self-proclaimed Bible teachers regarding what they allow. It would be like this. Let's imagine that a pastor was counseling someone uh, who only had a few uh, extra funds and this person had an ailing parent. And let's just imagine that the person said, "Uh, listen, pastor, I only have a little bit of money and I'm not sure if I should buy my ailing mother medicine or if I should tithe for this new gym we want to add on to our church. What do you think we should do? Now, could you imagine the kind of pastor that would make up a law or the group of pastors that would make up a law for that matter that said that that individual had a moral obligation to pay the tithe instead of taking care of your parents? Now, there's nothing wrong with building a gym, and there's even nothing wrong with requiring it and saying everybody in our church is going to do this. But saying that you have to do that, even to the expense of taking care of your sick parents, that is the epitome of hypocrisy. Jesus condemns them of their hypocrisy uh, by quoting from Isaiah 29. Now, we've been in the context of why some people understand the kingdom program and some people just don't. And if we were just coming to the story, um, we would think that maybe the Pharisees would be likely candidates for those who get the kingdom program. After all, they were the conservative, pious, dedicated Bible students and teachers, the local pastors of the country. But they don't get it, and Jesus says this fulfills Isaiah 29. Now, the context is important. Let me read uh, verses 9 through 14 of that chapter. Isaiah says, Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not with wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this, please, they will answer, I can't, it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this, please, they will answer, I don't know how to read. And the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Now, the idea of this quotation here is that God is going to confuse the people of Israel on purpose. And we've seen this as a big theme in Matthew. It's more prominent in the Gospel of Mark, but it's also here in Matthew. Uh, We saw it, for example, in chapter 13 with the parables of the sower, that uh, God is keeping his kingdom, and what's going on with that, as a secret. 
And the reason that he's making a secret is because uh, the people only pretend to care about what God really is doing, but their hearts are actually far from him. So all of the stuff about the law and purity laws, God would make that clear to a person uh, if they actually drew near to him in honesty and genuineness. In the last section, Jesus turns to answer the Pharisees' actual question. Now, the parallel account in Mark is more on unclean food, uh, specifically what happens in the Old Testament law. Matthew's focus is on the contrast between the oral law and the written law, man-made rules versus what God actually says. Notice that's how he frames the whole thing in verse 20, uh, the very last thing that we read. We can be content here to simply focus on how this passage is aimed at those who make up their own laws, either to an inappropriate emphasis or even to the exclusion of God's laws. Jesus says that the sort of people who do this should simply be left alone in verse 14. And then the reason for this is the explanation in uh, the quotation from Isaiah 29. God is judging them, so don't have anything to do with them. We also have here a subtle reference to the parable of the wheat and the tares. God has not planted them, and God will judge them in his own own way and time. So on the one hand, uh, this whole account is meant to condemn the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and to show that they are under judgment and don't actually get what God is doing in the world at that time. And yet, the purpose is not just to condemn the Pharisees. There is a practical application for the disciples. Jesus doesn't say, listen, all this oral law isn't important because actually the law isn't important. People can just do whatever they want. No, 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 no. Jesus comes across as very harsh in this. He says people are unclean, but the reason they're unclean is not because of your man-made rules. The The reason that people are unclean is because of what's going on inside of their heart. And it is out of their heart that proceed all of these evil intentions, murder, etc., This is a great place to think about uh, the biblical doctrine of sin and man. Uh, Jesus is very clear here that the reason that you and I, that we do bad things is because we have bad hearts. We are unclean in our actions because we are unclean on the inside. Now, from the Sermon on the Mount, we've learned that we need to get rid of whatever it is that causes us to sin. Uh, The implication is pretty clear that the solution to our problem of uncleanness is not simply to undergo a ceremony or even to try to stop doing these deeds. Instead, the reason we do bad things is because we have bad hearts. And that means that if the situation is ever going to be remedied and we're going to be clean, we are going to need to get a clean heart. That's the implication of this passage. We'll have to stay tuned to the rest of the Gospel of Matthew to see how Jesus dies on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins in order to make that inward purity possible. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu.